Hello, everybody, and I usually say welcome to a new episode of Doctrine and Doxology, but you said a couple of weeks ago that is too ordinary, too routine. I don't know. Uh, most so, podcasts I listen to are pretty scripted in the beginning. So was that a compliment or a like a... I don't know. It's just a, just a thought. Well, then, in that case, welcome to a new episode of Doctrine and Doxology. <laughs> We are glad that you are here and have joined us. This is not pre-recorded. I mean, it could be if you're listening like years from the day that we just did this. Sure, or next week. We're talking to people in the future. Wow. It's weird. Um, We are back. This is a new episode, continuing though in the same series. But uh, we gave just a little disclaimer last week about the podcast and one other thing I remembered that we forget to do that we started to do because we were told it would be helpful is introduce ourselves. Well, so, most people know us, and our name is written on the uh, the deal, but but they want to know whose voice is that. Well, this voice is Skylar Spradlin, and that voice over there across the room is the one, the only, the evervescent Larry Jones. Oh, you cut me off. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to say it? Larry Jones. That's that's a Spanish pronunciation of that word, yes. That is me. That word or that name? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> um, We are looking at a subject today. Well, I said just a second ago, we would talk a little bit about what this podcast is. Uh, so let's do that first. Okay. We are trying to talk about biblical truths and yes, yes, doing that with a goal and the hope that they lead to worship or particularly adoration or thanksgiving or joy or sure being awe inspired by God. That's what doxology means. So this is doctrine, biblical truths and doxology worship. Hallelujah. I'm Hallelujah. worshiping right now. I'm just saying. That being said, today's subject should definitely accomplish both of those. Um, another doctrinal look at um, really the kind of grand plan of God's working. Sure, sure. Certainly everything we look at deals with the person and the nature of God because right. God acts consistent with his person. Well, one of the nature. reasons that I worship today is because of the promises of God. See, there you go. You just jumped right into it. I mean, don't you worship because God promised all these wonderful things for you and and he's promised to make you his child if you do this and this. Well, yeah, that's, and what believe. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Today's subject is more overarching of the whole way that God works, because everything that God does is built on promises. That's true. He's the and, promise making God. And they are called something in the Bible. And that's what we're discussing today. Yes. And this something that they already know about because we will put it in the title of this episode. Yes. This something is both complex in this in 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 that regard, somewhat difficult to comprehend in all of its nuances. But it's also, I think, one of the least thought about things from the average Christian perspective. That's true. Um, maybe the average church perspective. I didn't grow up hearing these things. Right. I know some people did. Some churches taught on them, but um, this wasn't in the discipleship curriculum in the 1990s and so the 2000s. So it is covenants 
between God and man. Is that not true? Is that a good title for this one? Or the covenants of God? Yeah. Does God make covenants with anybody else? Mm, well, when I read the textbook. Your textbook. The textbook I'm using. Uh, when I was reading Grudem's uh, Systematic Theology, there was one other covenant that was not between God and man, and that was between God and God and God. Oh, yeah, okay. The, it was called the Covenant of... Some would call it the Covenant of Redemption. Covenant of Redemption, yeah. Is that what he called it? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a covenant between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. That what covenant text, was to redeem mankind. What text did he go to for that? Well, let me check. Maybe he just made up a bunch of words. No, 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 no. Covenant of redemption. This, a covenant of redemption, is an agreement among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in which the Son agreed to become a man, to be our representative, obey the demands of the covenant of works, or the covenant of Moses, a covenant that God made with the people of Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on our behalf, and to pay the penalty for sin, which we deserve. And ooh, he's got a bunch, bunch of verses. Yeah, probably like, those verses of Jesus just like saying John seventeen two and six. Yeah, I'm here to do the Father's uh, will. John three sixteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's what I used. But I don't know that those texts actually reveal a covenant of redemption in the Godhead. I mean, we see all over the well, place okay. these these scriptures where Jesus says, "I'm doing the Father's will." He sub sure. he submitted himself was submissive to the Father, and we see the uh, divine roles of the Trinity and salvation. Sure, and yet at the same time maintaining equality with one another. So I I get the outworkings of that language, but. I struggle a little bit with the origin of that concept. Yeah, I, I think I don't think there's a specific verse that talks about a covenant of the Trinity, which is with it, each other. Which is kind of why I don't like talking about it. I mean, it's, okay, I, let's just don't talk about it. But no, it, that's not what I meant. But there's but there's a lot of great things, great promises that are made for us in this whatever you want to call it. Uh, because this is where the Holy Spirit has his role. Jesus yeah. had his role. Yeah. Uh, God has his role. I don't know. The fact that the, the... They're all involved in the redemption of mankind. Yes. But the fact that the Godhead would need or make a covenant with each other and at the same time be one... It's almost like there are three just, different people making an agreement yeah. and they're actually one person. I haven't... Or one God. That's that's a relatively new area for me personally. I, I've only discovered that in the last two years or three years. I just discovered this this morning. Well, I need a lot more thought and time on that. Okay. Maybe there is a verse that I'm not thinking about or a passage uh, of scripture several, I'm not but thinking they're, of. They're mostly just ones that we know that pertain to us and God. Sometimes the role of the Holy Spirit, the role of God, the role of Jesus. Which I get all of that. Sure. But the this covenant promise making agreement binding agreement among the trinity i don't 
they're in perfect harmony all the time. That's Absolutely. what that's what makes them they're God. One. So what's the necessity of Well if you and I a make covenant. a covenant, then there needs to be a you have your role, I have my role. Yeah, but I think in terms of you and I, if we make a covenant, yeah, we might be in agreement, but there's a chance that one of us could try to negate our responsibility and well, yeah. we need to remember the covenant. But that's not the well, case with God. When I think of covenant, I think of basically two. The the old covenant that God made with Moses okay. and the Ten Commandments and the new covenant of Christ. And that's mentioned in when the Lord Supper. Jeremiah 31 is where it's foretold. Yeah, Ezekiel 36 is where it's foretold. It shows up in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10. Yes, and 9. Because I, those are actually going to be the verses we read. I in noticed you did that. Readings. <laughs> uh, yes. We're going to be reading those verses Sunday. That's right. So Absolutely. We see God promise this new covenant. Jesus initiates this new covenant. Yes. You're right, the Lord's Supper. This is my blood of the new covenant. Yes. Um, so th- I think in, yes, I think we divide it up generically or simply right well there was an old way to god which is the old testament of it to kind of obey the laws offer the sacrifices i mean jesus was in the old covenant yeah well and then john the baptist mentioned that they're looking forward to the day several of them were looking forward to the day when christ would come and complete that to all our presbyterian friends out there uh they probably think the most about this because they build infant baptism on this Okay. I was just sitting here thinking, when does the new covenant inaugurated into in the in the New Testament? I would personally maintain Acts two, the coming of the Spirit. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Jesus has ascended as kind of this final act, which I think the ascension doesn't give enough get enough attention. Okay. But Jesus gets he ascends, and shortly thereafter, the Spirit comes. Right. And that kind of th- that kind of event, I think, together, ascension and coming of the spirit is the introduction of the new covenant. Or the um, not uh, quite, but almost completion of the salvation experience. Well, I, I mean, I think the new age of how God's dealing with like he's Jesus has been ushering it in. And then his ascension and the coming of the spirit is where it's actually here. And right. I would say. um I think the sign of the new covenant is the indwelling of the spirit upon every believer. This is why I mentioned our Presbyterian friends, because they say the sign of the new covenant is baptism. Just like the sign of the old covenant was circumcision. Well, Grudem kind of agrees that it is one of the signs. Baptism? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think he was referring to infant baptism necessarily. No, he wasn't. He he would not be referring to that, but that's how, that's where Presbyterians emphasize and get infant baptism. The, he says the sign of beginning a covenant relationship is baptism. Individually. Okay. But well, I, the sign of continuing in the relationship is participation in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, this is this is probably where I'm a little... On the fringes, which is a dangerous place to be. 
Well, I mean, this this is his idea. I don't think you can go to a scripture that says this is the sign of the new covenant. Well, I think like you can in the Old Testament. I think there's, there's really definitely a sign. I think there's a really strong argument for it being baptism. I think for Presbyterians, this is why I'm not a Presbyterian. In fact, if if I probably would be a Presbyterian if I got this issue like they did. Okay. But the fact the reason I'm not is because I th- I think they go too far in saying that just like essentially I'm sorry Presbyterian friends if you're listening but the I the way I understand the simplest explanation of of what they're teaching is that you were circumcised into the people of God in the old covenant and you bore the markings and benefits of circumcision and you circumcised the male and the male children and so the same in the new covenant you're baptized into the new covenant as believers but your children also can benefit just like they did under circumcision so they're also baptized and they get the benefits of being in the covenant people of God right but they also have to believe and be saved right and we we feel like uh traditionally through the new testament we see baptism following a repentance and belief yeah, they they appeal strongly to a few verses in Acts about a whole household being baptized. But I think most strongly to that, I think it's that verse in Colossians where it says, um, talking about circumcision, and it says baptism now corresponds to this. Um, okay. And they kind of build strongly off of that, which at least they have a biblical reason. Well, let's read our scriptures that you mentioned. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one. Okay. I have it here. It's talking about, it's actually talking about the new covenant that's coming. Right. And this is where I'm going to say, this is where I'm going to explain why I think I'm on the fringe, but why I don't think baptism is the ultimate covenant okay. sign. You're going to say it before I read or you're going to say it nope. after? I'll say it after. Okay. This is Jeremiah 31, 31, and I'll read just a little ways. Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah, I don't think his last name was Johnson. That's another character you're thinking of. Okay, behold. Good way to start. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the forefathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Yeah, absolutely. I think we see the work of the Holy Spirit there in Jeremiah 31, the law within them, the no one will need to teach the neighbor saying, no, the Lord, they'll all know me. Yeah. I want to read Ezekiel 36, verse 22 through, I'll let you know. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. 
I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk my statutes and be careful to do or careful to obey my rules. That's through verse 27. Right. I will put my spirit within you. So I, yes, I think the sign of the new covenant is the dwelling of the spirit in the believer. Ah, okay. I think that happens before baptism. I think that's a prerequisite to the Lord's Supper. Um, that's that's what I think the circumcision of the heart is. Okay. So the Spirit dwelling in us, circumcising our heart, regenerating us, making us new, is the sign of the new covenant. We now have God's law in us. We now have uh, God's Spirit within us. We now each one individually know God, unlike yeah. in the old covenant. Yeah, we are really blessed to be on this side of the cross and the death and the resurrection and the ascension uh, because we now we have God living in us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one scripture says we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Which makes me think, well, yeah. Yeah. He lives. Christ lives in us. His spirit lives within us. Right. And yes, we have the mind of Christ. Sometimes I wish I could dial it in a little clearer. Yeah. You know, when I have a question that I can't get answered. Yeah. But uh, it's such a comfort to know that Christ lives within us, God lives within us, and and he makes us righteous. Yeah. And we can go to the throne of God boldly yeah. at his request because we're clothed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus. This is it. Uh, there are several places, but I think it's Ephesians 1 says we're sealed with the Spirit. Yeah. He's the guarantee that dwells within us. I think it's, I don't know where it's at. I think it's. I, I trust you. Ephesians 1 talks That's why about I said, it. I said, yeah, form. but I have no clue. Well, Ephesians 1 talks about it in some form. There's some other references, but uh, it's biblical, right? We're sealed is, with the yes. promised Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, and that marks us out forever. There are other covenants um, in the Old Testament. There's uh, the covenant with Noah. Yes. There's the covenant with David. Yes, Abraham, don't leave him out. There's the covenant with Abraham. There's the covenant with Moses. Uh, some would argue there's a covenant with Adam in the garden. Yeah. It, you know, Grudem says so. In the, in the, he doesn't say it, though. In the real big umbrella of everything, people would divide the covenants into two types, the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. Yes. The old covenant and the new covenant. And... and I mean, I I can see it, but they would even say there was a covenant of works with Adam, and he broke it. Yes, didn't obey God, but that was kind of the 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 well, there underlying was a, there was a relationship. At each end, if you if you obey my covenant, you'll live. If you disobey it, you'll die. Yeah. Now it seems to me the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant go together. Hmm. There's some connection. God pulls a people out, Israel. And through them, the whole world's going to be blessed. So Abraham's pulled out, and I'll bless the nations through you. Yeah. And Moses, there's the covenant of the law. Keep the law. Yeah. And and um, walk yeah, with God. Abrahamic covenant is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, go from your country, and I will bless you. 
All families of the earth shall be blessed. I think it's also formally ratified in Genesis 15 where God does that thing where he walks through the halved animals and the smoking pot. Yeah. And I was thinking of also Genesis 17, 4, uh, where that's the time when God appears to Abraham and he tells him about he's going to have an heir. Uh, and oh, all, yeah. the, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. But the when we look at the Noah, Noah covenant and the Davidic covenant, um, those are kind of unique. What, what does the D- Davidic one say? Well, it promises a Messiah. Yeah. But it almost seems more individualistic. Your kingdom will last forever. Yeah. I read that this morning, too. I mean, it seems it, it seems more individualistic than the others to David. Yeah. And, and yeah. almost in a sense of prophecy for the rest of us to look for the descendant of David. Right, exactly. But the Abrahamic covenant, I think, is is kind of the main covenant for Gentiles like you and I. All the nations will be blessed through you, yes. But the Mosaic covenant is the one that we break. Yes, it is. And so it matters too. But the covenant with Noah only seems to matter in terms of our preservation on the earth. Right. And so some covenants... There was no stipulation on our part it was all god yes so some covenants are just they're different not i mean we try to fit them into these boxes nice and neatly but they they don't always fit there right and we have to deal with them individually and try to see how they work together and there's some great resources out there that help us do that some guys who just spend their time and and life studying these things and have great clarity on them. Right. But sometimes keeping them all in our mind is tricky. But I do think, back to what I said, and then I'll stop. Back to what we said yeah, at the right. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough Christians think about this, and yet it's the way that we relate to and exist with God. We can only relate to God based on his promises. And yes. we exist right now in the new covenant. And that matters for our understanding of how we approach God and deal with God and how God deals with us and et cetera, et cetera. That's right. I mean, so studying the covenants is incredibly beneficial. I mean, that's what we, that's what I place my confidence in. I know that I'm a believer. I know that God's going to save me. What can the enemy do to me? Can he take my life? Yeah, maybe with God's permission. Or if I die, I know that I won't be with God. So I have confidence death has lost its sting. Yeah. So, you know, I rely on the promises of God. We have faith in the promise, Joel 2, Acts 2, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. That's, that's what Peter says. And then they say, what do we do to be saved? Believe. Yeah. Repent and believe. I, th- I think we had sometime during this podcast toward the end. This may be now. I don't know how long we've been going. We're at the end. Uh, I think we should read Hebrews. Read that passage in Hebrews. Hebrews what? Hebrews 9. My, nine my, what? One of my favorites. Nine coffee grains? Nine, nine beans? Nine coffee grains and verse 11 through 
15. You know chapter 10 actually quotes Jeremiah 31. Yes, I do know that. Okay, read 9, whatever you said. Uh, I have okay, never yeah, heard like that it. word in the Bible. Eh. <laughs> it's static. It's, it's there, or uh, it's also there. <laughs> but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal heritage, inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Yeah, that's good. It's a good one. It is. Amen. Well, there's always more to explore, and as we say just about at the end of every episode, we have only scratched the surface. So we encourage our listeners to keep digging, keep thinking, keep pondering, praying, meditating on these yes. things. And if you do feel so led, let, let us know kind of your thoughts and where you're at. If you have comments or questions or anything to contribute to the conversation, you can do that on any of our social media sites on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find the links to those social media sites at DoctrineDoxology.com. That's the home of the Doctrine and Doxology podcast, as well as many other resources that we try to make to uh, available to you for free and for your benefit. There's another thing that you'll find on that website. It's called the Pastor's Cohort, and I think I think we're getting ready to open it up to some more more pastors and rollees. Church leaders, really. It's kind of got this name of Pastor's Cohort, but really it's for anybody in any kind of church leadership role that wants to uh, take their role seriously and continue to grow in their um kind of knowledge of ecclesiology, knowledge of the church, knowledge of the ministry. Uh, we we want to help them do that with good biblical resources. So yeah, you can check all that out there. You can also donate to help support that ministry. Uh, that's designed for pastors who are either unable to go to seminary or bivocational or uh, don't have uh, great large ministry budgets at their church for right. things like this. Uh, we come alongside and say, hey, let us take care of this for you and be a blessing. So uh, if you would prayerfully consider this new year donating to us there, all t- uh, donations are tax deductible, That's which good. is wonderful. Uh, anyways, lots of good things happening there. Again, that is all at doctrinedoxology.com. And all that donation goes strictly for only that purpose. Goes straight to them, yep. You and I do not get paychecks, nor does anyone else. Well, that's good. Yep. Thought I'd make that clear. Thanks. <laughs> well, let me pray. All right. Father, we are truly grateful for the covenant you've made with us. Thank you for opening that pathway to you through your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. And thank you, Father, for sending him. Thank you for loving us that much. Uh, We know we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your mercy. 
but Lord, you extend it to us because you're a loving, merciful God, and you're a just God because you did and have punished our sins by placing them on your Son. Thank you so much. Help us to share that good news with the lost. Help us to walk faithfully before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.